0: Well, Wes, I think at the end of our last podcast on Hayao Miyazaki's work on The Wind Rises, we thought that we had completed the effort, that we had finished the deed. But it turns out, happily, perhaps, that, and that's something I guess we'll have to think about, uh, that Hayao Miyazaki has come out with a new final movie for which there was very limited advertising and marketing to uh, by his conscious will. And now you and I have both seen it and it is uh, incumbent upon us now to finish what we thought we had already done.
1: Um,
0: And so it is good to see you many years in the future now, uh, from the last time we met and now talking about endings that are perhaps the end. Though I know from our texting and, you sent me an article, but I haven't looked at it yet, suggesting that perhaps this is not even the end.
1: Um, it would be surprising if he stayed retired after having come out of retirement so many times. And um, yeah, no, but this movie, The Boy and the Heron, uh, I, this was my goal for all of winter break, was to go and watch it. And I finally made it just uh, last weekend before, right before my break ended. Um, and the new semester started up here. So yeah, it's it's an end and a beginning, right? It's the new year. Um, obviously, things are very different since we last talked uh, back in the days of everybody being stuck home with COVID and, and all that stuff. Um, that's still around, but it's not quite as a, a determining of every single facet of life, right? So um, I don't know. I I've got some things I like to share about this movie, but um, if we were gonna start you know, in our in our normal fashion, we'd have to set up some sort of um, mythological structure for it, right? And maybe we could just kind of start with that, um, with a little bit of summary and what you're seeing as as the main themes and, and questions you have about this movie. We'll go from there.
0: Well, besides having a deeply personal connection to this movie, because of course, Hayao Miyazaki coming out of retirement in order to make this movie, Uh, directly parallels our coming out of podcast retirement in order to make this podcast uh, commenting on his movie. And so there's that sort of, um, um, I guess, synergistic, not synchronistic, though we will get into some terminology later, I think. Um, But just something I wanted to consider was the difference, uh, the apparent difference between this movie as a concluding movie from um, the former. Um, mm-hmm. the the wind rises um, and in particular I just wanted to mention a couple things Um. a there's a huge anxiety of influence in the wind rises there's this Italian great uh, plane maker who follows his dreams who is the eternal model for the protagonist even, even until the end of their careers and it seems like they go off into heaven together oh, yeah. um, the boy and the heron does not suffer from such an anxiety of influence there is a sort of archetypal um a familial figure who is the great uncle sort of like a, the uh the the uncle character from the nutcracker um and uh but but also um there's a direct line between um this figure and and uh Mahito. so there's a a sameness and an identity and uh, yes. this not present Um, with the outside influence of somebody from a different culture, someone who happened to be a fellow uh, Axis power. And and even though The Boy and the Heron features World War II prominently, uh, the war is sort of um, constantly present, but in, in a constant presence that Mahido sort of gets away from, but then realizes he can't get away from. There's war everywhere, even in this ideal world with these uh, these anthropomorphized pigeons, but but <laughs> right. but there is a transition into a sort of magical world that shares properties with the normal world, and I want to talk about that. There there is no such transition um, in the Wind Rises; it stays mm. realistic. There you could argue, and he, the direct connection is actually made by the character calling it Der Zauerberg. There is a German character or Zalberberg, Zauberberg. Uh it is the magic mountain where like tubercular people are supposed to get well. And yeah, sure, that's sort of fantastic, but it's still still realist in that it there are not um ghosts uh, moving around or uh people capable of magical feats of oh, yeah. power. So you would you could make it, make the argument, but you would have to make the argument. Whereas this takes the model far more of spirited away. Oh, yeah. Um, right? Like, you go from the world where there's a major transition happening. Jihiro is moving away from her uh, former home to a new home. Archetypal situation needs to go through sort of a transformation and build some character to meet the new situation. For sure. Buildings Roman, out the wazoo. Um, but we get something similar here. Um, but But why does he now end his career? with yeah. this rather than the realist effort. Um if, if you accept that categorization. And and I, I don't think that's that's you know, I don't think that's the most uh the biggest thing to argue about this, but
1: well it's a great question. Uh I guess it seems to me that he when he retires he he intends to stay retired and then something happens where he has to tell another story, right? He starts mm-hmm. No drawing he starts thinking about he starts dreaming about who knows where the ideas come from um but as far as influences go i mean that's a big piece of it right it's it's not just that there's an influence upon him but then uh, there's also this sense in which he is the influence on others right and he wants to tell the story he wants to impact the world a certain way and and he really seems to have a a strong you know sense of um the importance of, of character development and, and things like that and understanding oneself and and growing and and that's i think why he keeps telling these stories and and the power of the dream-like uh, world or this sort of fantastic world it it has a kind of explanation right which reminded me of Hal's moving castle a lot with the meteorite that comes and it has like strange powers strange things happen when you're near the meteorite and uh, mm. there's that aspect of it and then there's also this aspect of like the power of books and literature, right? The uncle traveled in the West. He came back with all these ideas, and um, you know they drove him
0: crazy. Just like this library,
1: he's a Quixote yeah. figure.
0: Yeah. yeah, Quixote and the Jose Diaz of Cien de who <laughs> study Milchides and go crazy because of what they're reading. Um, yeah, right. So there's, and,
1: there's a concern there, um, but I want to say that there's something about the um the opportunity maybe for him to to sum up more of his various attempts at distilling this message because i feel like almost all the films recur in some form in the course of the boy and the heron right? right um there's there's structural elements of the story and then there's images there's um even to the level of um you know just like misdirections that he seems to to really enjoy like you mentioned when we were talking last night about the, the sort of false climactic ending, which then we sort of revisit again before the ending. Um, that's a thing he does, right? Uh, and, and so there's, there's a lot of ways in which this seems to be him um, unable not to tell the story, right? He just has to, he has to do it again in,
0: a, in another form, in another form. So there are two things I want to say to that. Uh, one is that I feel The Wind Rises was wrong as an ending to his career. And I think he felt that, too, as a fellow sort of person with artistic temperament. It is an aesthetic judgment and mm-hmm. and one that is very much debatable, even though people say, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Degustibus gustibus non est disputandum. It's like, well, that's uh, all we do, actually, is dispute matters of taste. But I think also the artistic product was wrong. It was a practical thing that would use misused for war. I don't, I mean, maybe if his work were used for like terrible propaganda, that could be the right ending to his career as an artist. And, and he does talk about sort of the artistic life to some extent, but in this work, he gets to develop a world that is entirely made up of art and that but is still subject to the limitations of the artist and therefore represents not only himself as a young person, and not only this force that transforms him through this heron, this like sort of Jungian self, which is mixed up with the shadow, which is why it's like an ugly uh an ugly, bald, large nosed creature <laughs> inside of this heron, which is usually sort of a regal creature. Um, yeah. it transitions him to adulthood but but the world itself still has this mass influence and these misunderstandings between differing um uh, species groups these birds
1: um
0: as well as um is is has to be balanced every four days or so was it um and and the balance blocks and and they are irrationally constructed suggesting something like it requires the presence of the creator because Mm -hmm. these are all temporary solutions and so just a couple of things about that that a that indicates a sort of realism from the sort of international relations theory where like when people are put in certain situations they act in certain ways and mm-hmm. this is sort of uh a, a truth that's recognized by people who are in the offensive realist uh camp but it could also very much be just the subjective feeling of uh and and i don't mean to like Westernize this and give it the original sin I, idea, but like it is the limit. It could also be the limitations of the artist, which perhaps this means the same thing as the first point too, that lead to faction and division and misunderstanding in his own world. And when I say misunderstanding, I mean I recall the the poignant scene where um, the main character uh, Mahido is talking to the downed pigeon who was lit on fire by the sort of goddess timeless of them being pitted into this this game of survival where uh they have to act in ways that are antithetical to others and that this is even this and this even exists in the fantasy world which is created by somebody who created this world to create to sort of avoid or to transcend or to escape from because of his crazy learning the uh, uh the world uh in which he had in that which he had inhabited prior yeah did did you
1: f- feel like the theory or, or account of the 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 little guys um being the souls of of those not yet born was like a a true thing like is this a real world in a transcendent world in that sense like it's it's getting us beyond um uh the life and death that we experience here uh because I wasn't sure how much that could be like wrapped up within the creator, you know, with his Jenga blocks, you know, the the uncle, um, and how much it was, uh, you know, the case that he actually is is at the mercy of of other forces and powers, you know, the the meteorite, for example, um, or even that that mysterious kind of cemetery, right? The gates of it have... um, a Japanese script over them that essentially is saying like stay out, um, whereas the gates to the the library right have kind of matching script, but it's it's from um, Dante. It's it's you know you um, abandon all hope, you know that that sort of sentiment is is represented there. And so I think my question I guess is similar to a Dante, who takes a religious experience, a reality, and then sort of weaves it into his own personal poetry and his own um, uh, storytelling, if you like, right? Um, is there Is there a sense in which this is happening through the uh, the dream world? Are we getting a representation of something um, that we should consider real, right? Uh, and not just imaginary um, and uh, contingent upon its, you know creator, the the human figure, but um, in some way, you know, a spiritual domain that we, we now have
0: access to. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think at the very least what this spiritual world is, is the world which Hayao Miyazaki has occupied and created. Um, mm-hmm. And he is the great uncle that has to create and recreate and now needs okay. to in the last bit of his life. And he recognizes that even in this beautiful escapist reality he's created, there are these, Limitations to it, like the presence of conflict, even in his most beautiful works, like uh, Prince Mononoke, for example. And I okay. think there's a real sense of ownership in in what is absent from this work. Um, often he has figures of the Great Mother very present, and nature as this overwhelming force. So there's this sort of sexless, though androgynous sort of deer thing, in but in the presence of this giant uh forest in princess um and also in the negative form in the curse on on um uh, ashitaka um Mm -hmm. but i think especially of ponyo where there's this this figure of the steward you write the red-headed sort of artistic guy and that seems to be hayao miyazaki at that point in his career and he's still steward to yes this great mother who's the ocean (laughs) Who he's had the chance to sort of mate with to create these little fish like Ponyo. Mm-hmm. And that's a little humbler too. But I think like in Plato's late dialogues, they get right into it because the time for play is over. Here he's taking full responsibility for the world, And insofar as there is a world he has full responsibility of, it's one of his own making. It's the work of his own art. And what he yep. seems to be looking for and, and understanding is that the message of art has to be continually restated. And um, and and something that I don't I don't see how he couldn't possibly I I don't <laughs> it would be impossible for him not to have thought about the the colossal failure of his son Gorō Miyazaki's 3D efforts a few years back um, and how that, <laughs> that 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 surely sullied the reputation of Studio Ghibli and made people question whether it could ever make a single good movie after that. <laughs> I it certainly made, I never made it through that movie and I don't intend to. It was, um, the characters were as unappealing as the artistic style used to represent them. And it was a shallow and irredeemable piece of uh, cod swap, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but this work does seem to be about the place of art in one's life and the necessity for there being great artists to take up the mantle of a former artist. There being sort of a succession, um, not like a a, a sort of priestly succession in that it's like a sort of institutionalized thing, but a succession of artists is necessary and to continue to remake this this world outside the world that in some ways is still a mirror of the world. And I think that's something that he's recognizing and recognizing the need of and and why he ultimately i think chooses a uh, masculine uh, protagonists as well he he unlike many um uh writer artists for the young has a good balance of female and male protagonists nausicaa kiki Jihiro, for example um and uh but his last two movies it's a book. Mm-hmm. Um and and so it's you know, because it's got to be him. um ultimately he he's got to tell the story about himself um I and and so yes, I think there is a world that we get access to through through him. It is the world um that that uh, Mahito eventually gets access to through the heron and his yeah. own and his own sort of grit and determination um but but before i guess we get too deep into that i want to just think about some other points on this and maybe we can connect it all together um uh, near the end so i mean what do you even what do you think of even the basic conceits of this this story so there's this boy and there's this very impressionist scene where there's a fire and his mom and his dad is running and it seems like his mom dies. And, oh, now we're going out to the countryside again. And it reminds us of our, our neighbor Totoro that's yes. moving out there and that underlying sense of maybe tragedy. I, I think you've read the article, too, that possibly the whole story was an allegory for the murder of these two girls and this, this sort of an afterlife and very but, interesting stuff because it's otherworldly at uh, Hayao Miyazaki is often otherworldly, so attributing something like spirit world to him is uh, uh, you know, within the realm of possibility, uh, especially with what you note about this world of the imagination. There's a generative aspect, right? There are these souls that need yes. to go be born. And so there is something very real that starts there that goes out and, and ultimately makes the real world possible. This place is also a place that even though there's a cemetery is outside of time because it's got this hallway. And I, you know, the craziest thing about this and I am very much thinking of Emerson and his description of how the genius says what you were supposed to say and too bad for you is I've always had this image of like the infinite hallway in my mind and even pre uh, the matrix three that does this as well uh, yeah. of like, and having different worlds through the hallway, And so there's this hallway and um, and Mahito can go back to his normal time where his dad is and his mom is dead and his mom can go back to when she was young um, before she grew up and had him. Um, I guess a couple of things about that. And I said, I wanted to get it kind of what it bothered me about this is why does she go back to that time when she was younger? And was it, just that when she was younger, she came to this place for a reason separate from what must have impelled her to go back, grow old enough to have Mahito, and then die? Because, right. or did she somehow come at the moment of her death, or is she some sort of projection of him? Uh, in in the same way that maybe Kiriko is, though obviously within the actual story themselves they both have real reality and they both go back through the same door and then they ate and one ages and one uh, ostensibly is dead but the the other thing I wanted to bring up is bothersome and because I didn't understand it was was Mahito uh accepted that his aunt was now his mother it seems like he had no preparation for this and his dad is represented uh, sort of typically, as like a dad by Hayao Miyazaki. Again, I think of my neighbor Totoro and how much the dad yeah. works. And yeah. and uh, then there's sort of just, we don't really get much of Jahiro's dad, but he seems like very typical dad in sort of bloodness and ass credit cards. And then this dad is a workaholic too. Um, so much so that he's not even there for like his new wife, who looks just like his sister and or, or her sister. Like her sister. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and he's just taking her on in this sort of like Old Testament ritual or something like this, I'm like, is it, I mean, I'm I'm not a I do not, I'm not a student of Japan as a scholar, and uh, is that a normal custom that I'm supposed to just not bat my eyes at? Because it seems like that bothers Mahito,
1: right, a ton and
0: right. leads to it leads even to his self harm, which is horrifically figured, gushing blood. It's hard. Uh, And that seems sort of unique to this as well. So those are a few things that I just kind of wanted to maybe piece apart if we could. Well, for sure. So there's
1: something interesting about the way that the mother replaces the mother, right? In in the same way that the artist replaces the artist. Hmm. Seems to be the parallel going on. And the way that time is a succession of repeated attempts to build something up. But of course, they always decline, right? There's the buildup and the decline. um, And this is, you know, war is the most amazing and terrifying example of this because, you know, there's great technological advance. There's great intercultural uh, communication that happens because of the the war, right? It launches um, uh, Miyazaki's whole life, basically, right? He's a child of that time. um, And the opportunities and the tragedies that come out of that seem to sort of run through. His work and a lot of you know the video games that we talk about, of course, and so there's there's this sense that, um, again, the the ways in which like influences, family lineages, artistic temperaments like repeat and are passed on and and, and mix um, seems to be a, a major thing going on. I don't know that there's a a necessity exactly for the mother to go back to her own time other than, I I mean, I take that to be a kind of affirmation of the real world, right? The world as we experience it, and we experience it in time, but we can at least imaginatively and maybe in some spiritual sense, transcend the the time dimension that we normally know and we can reach this kind of artistic eternity or this religious eternity. Um, But it seems like she embraces her actual mortality because she will, you know, give birth to this person who she's gotten to know through their, their kind of dreamlike adventure. Um, that seems like, that seems like that's the idea there. Um, and, and also, I guess the alternative besides leading to certain, you know, time paradoxes and stuff, um, it's like, it's like there, the place for her has been, um, has been filled, right? The, the, the process of this, Whole thing seems to be leading Mahito to um understand and accept uh his aunt as his mother, right? As as the mother figure um that that is uh you know chosen for him, I suppose, by his by his father, um, but also by the events of of the world, right? Of war of of mortality, of the weirdness of the meteorite arriving in the first place, whatever, right? It's like it's like these characters, for all that they can change things sort of magically, right, with the with the power of, of the of the dream world, um, they instead sort of go back and, and embrace the world as um as we all experience it. And I, I mean, I think that's a big part of the repeated message does seem to be about nature a lot of times, right? The great mother or just, you know, the natural world. Um the ways that it manifests in in, in different images, um, but as part of that, I mean, I think that can also sort of include human society, right? And and just sort of managing as a person, as a full person, um, not entirely not entirely taking refuge in art, um, because it does seem like that leads to um, destructive uh, destructive what. Um, uh, chaos or something at the end of this this whole thing. So, so I wonder about. Um, I just want to, I guess, ask about the, the, uh, the the book. So there's there's a particular book. It's it's right around the same time I want to say as the self harming. All right, he's he's in bed. He's not really able to go to school anymore. Um, but he finds this book that his mom left for him. Uh, it's inscribed to him. And it's called, How Do You Live? And it's, a, it's the title of the film is How Do You Live? In, in the original Japanese, and then it's changed to The Boy and the Heron for the American release. Um, and it seems to be, you know, a very moving story for him. He's sort of crying and, and that's like the moment when um, his aunt has gone off into the woods, right? And so he needs to like go on his adventure. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know for sure but, um, it seems like the book from the from what I've read about it, is basically a realistic story about, like, you know, making friends, dealing with people you don't get along with, dealing with a loss in a family, um and sort of like deciding on how you're gonna live your life. Um, in, you know, it's it's all pretty, pretty realistic, I think. so so, I take that to be, you know, Miyazaki's like insertion, again of like, I could have told this realistic story. Right, I could have just like made this book into a movie, and maybe that's what you were expecting based on the title. But look at what I'm doing instead. I'm, I'm sort of like allowing that to be an option among other options, and we're going to choose it at the end. But we're going to go through this whole thing, right? All of his fantastic storytelling to get to, you know, life, death, birth, marriage—those kind of like core, realistic um, uh, themes and, and images and things. So that's what I take to be going on with with that part of it. Um, Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that makes me think two big things. So um, the medieval um, sort of Arabic and Jewish philosophers that I study, like particularly Maimonides and Averroes and Al-Farabi, suggest that there are two major ways to influence people, by means of images, and then for a very rare sort of recherche view, or rarefied view by the intellect and Mm. and so what that comes down to is that um most people are going to be persuaded by stories with interesting uh with interesting images contained within them and when i think about a masterpiece maker like um like haile miyazaki and i've read the same thing about uh how do you live that it's a series of sort of moral uh uh statements even um that the a core of some beautiful notion that helps one to adapt to reality or ornamented with uh with the most gorgeous art, I think is going to have a, a very powerful and uh and very positive effect on those who, who witness it. And I think that's sort of the point, right? And that's that's very platonic, not in the fascist Plato way, but in that. Art is influencing one, and that this is uh, this is art that influences one in a positive way. So one's really getting uh, the enjoyment, which is which is what we really want, but then also the ennoblement, which is what we really really want. Um, the second point I was going to make that I think you just nailed is that I think what Hayao Miyazaki often is representing, Kiki's Delivery Service in particular, again, Spirited Away, again, uh, Princess Mononoke, and this movie, and and also Howl's uh, Moving Castle, um, is the mythological sort of representation of what it's like to be in a new archetypal situation that you need to adapt to. Boom, your mom said, now you have a new mom. New mom, like Cinderella, like uh, Hansel and Gretel, it is a <clears throat> archetypal situation and she could be the devil or she could be an angel, at least in the the basic outline of the situation, usually somewhere between, right, as a human. Um, or in the case of Jahiro, new place. Now you have to, your sort of old version of you needs to die and you need to go through a process, uh, like a sort of montage, a spiritual montage of going through various obstacles and reevaluating how you see things, including yourself in order to develop. And to your point about how that is an expression of nature because it is human nature, which is part of nature, your Aristotelian okay. point of view, I agree. And I, I think I see that also is taking more responsibility for the nature, not only of an artist, but of a person that our, our ultimate responsibility is to ourselves into understanding ourselves and to making the necessary adaptations to live in this new world, right? Like in the new world for for Mahito that he has to face is one where he can't be hitting himself in the head with rocks. <laughs> um, he's going to have to go to school and be strong <clears throat> so that he can uh, fit in. In the same way, Jihiro will have to do the same thing in the new world that she is now at, at the end of the... when movie she says i think i'm okay we're all like yeah man she's ridden a dragon and fell falling through the sky like for sure um but that's what i think he's recognizing these artistic representations as as, mm-hmm. as themselves um uh, aesthetic representations of the process of transformation a person has to go through in order to reorient the fundamental tenets of the reality. Like, okay, the person who embodied mom is gone. and But now there's a new person and you're gonna have to really reorient your image of mom to Mm -hmm. take it from dead mom, um, to put it macabrely and grotesquely and put it on now the living mom. And I think a good bit of human life and probably a lot of therapeutic money comes from people's inabilities Mm -hmm. to do that. Or like to go from I have a job to being jobless, uh, and to then having like a new job that maybe you hate or maybe you love, and it, you know it's unbelievable in one way or another. But yeah, no, go on.
1: No, I, I think because it's so difficult, um, part part of that probably accounts for our enjoyment of stories about these things. Yes, right? Exactly. Like these so are the these are the How quintessential. Are they gonna
0: do it? How are they going to pull uh, it together? Right, and and I they don't.
1: It's it's Miyazaki's thing too to to tell a story in a way that's anything but linear, right? I mean, there there are these elements, and and you know there's going to be some sort of um dénouement, right? Um, but it takes often watching these movies a few times before you really like are following the the logic of of what the events are. Um, how they all hang together. And so that's the thing about watching a, a new movie from him, right? That is in theaters. You only get to really watch it once unless you're going to go back and spend more money.
0: So, right. so right.
1: I've seen it only one time. Um, and that's a cool, because I I mean, I really look forward to re-watching this. And I didn't bring my kid to it because I thought it'd be too scary with, um, you know, knowing that the, the mom dies, you know, um, and knowing how terrifying some of the imagery can be in these films. I didn't think he'd really like it yet. Um, so I'll get to watch it, you know, more times down the line, hopefully, and and maybe talk to him about it as he grows up. But, um, but there's there's something to that. Of, uh, you know, again, taking a story, which in its outlines is universal, well understood, well told, and yet realizing there's something so difficult about actually living this out. Um, there's so many ways in which this story can be unfolded and 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 glamoured up, you know, and, and crazy things can happen within it. Um, and I take that to be the the heron, right? You know, and all of the strange events uh in the ocean world down there. Um there there's just a lot of wild uh I guess like allowing the imagination to roam and, and just go um that that is so exhilarating about these movies. Um yeah that I think you know he hasn't lost it all. What I will say about in terms of like enjoying the movie, I found the hardest part to like at first was the uh, music because it wasn't the lush orchestral style that I was expecting, you know, and had really loved in all, pretty much all the other movies. Um, Joe Hisaishi is the composer on this one uh, and it is his style. Like you can hear it, I suppose, but it's much more like spare, you know, it's a lot of piano um, and that's him playing the piano, you know, and, and he's great, but, but it's not the kind of... You know, memorable uh, melodies and stuff that that I'm used to with with these um, these films, and so I think that's again an intentional choice, um, one that tends to emphasize much more the visual uh, aspect of the experience, and maybe one that also will just kind of grow on you as you rewatch it. I don't know if you had that impression too, um, but I couldn't like remember a melody at the end, which I was like, huh, that's different. It's yeah. Stuck
0: more hans zimmer than it is john williams (laughs) with the it's minimalist yeah yeah no it um was a little bit like um the theme from spirited away um before really the symphonic element catches up so yeah so Mm -hmm. for sure right so there is a big divergence between spirited away i would say and and Mm -hmm. this movie and that spirited away does have the beautiful orchestral music there is the breathtaking sort of a whole new world uh disney's aladdin sort of majestic Mm. welcome to this new world element whereas here there's like a darkness that has to almost entice you in and 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 that's a very interesting that it's uh there's a negative connotation to it there's an uh in, in fact, there's a defense mechanism built against it by the ant when she's in health, and her, her four attending ladies who dote on Mahido who get turned into uh, wood, sort of a rude, potentially ageist representation by old, uh, by old. There we are, by Hayao Miyazaki um, of of these these women, but uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's it. Was a, interesting to see that they became inanimate sort of and yet objects of power in this, mm-hmm. but but without but with very limited personality because you kind of like saw them ditter and giggle I think, uh, yeah. but they they don't you know have voices um, per se in this world and so yeah what you say about only having been able to see this movie once and say we haven't even talked about the Dante underworld uh connotations at all so we could talk so much more about this is that uh yeah the full connection between this world is an underworld is in a world of imagination how do real people exist in it and and, like shades from the past and possibly the future it's outside of time like uh what is the ontology of this other under something world uh which which is like dante's sphere of water totally unexplored um, from the purgatory where the purgatory exists um, right. opposite from Jerusalem, uh, Yerusha or sorry Jerusalem um, and so um been listening too much to the satanic uh, verses uh, <laughs> yeah they have a different way of saying it uh, I suppose a more traditional um, but yeah um, Yeah, so the the multifaceted. So there's a richness to this world that I I think we still need to explore, and also a, a literal otherworldliness, and that there this is an alien. The reason uh, for all of the otherworld surrealist elements is the presence of an extraterrestrial tower of some right. sort, and so it literally comes from another world, and then sort of games gives access to a different reality while one is within it. Um, but to an earlier point you made about coming back to reality and the importance of um uh, Mahido's mother becoming Mahido's mother, which she is in this story, which is a story about roles and and just given from Mahido's uh perspective, um, mm-hmm. is that she chooses to give of uh, something that uh, many characters don't have to give up ultimately, I think, in Hayao Miyazaki's world. And maybe this is connected to the darkness of the representation, and maybe Hayao Miyazaki's uh, own uh, um, insistence that somebody come about is said, unlike in Kiki's uh, delivery service or in um, Hal's Moving Castle, like the this girl does not choose to stay a witch. Or to become an even greater witch, she yeah. she chooses to give up the the apparently great responsibility of lighting these evil pigeons on fire. Um, they're a different bird from that, but they these evil birds on fire that try and eat the souls of the babies to come. Right, and so she's got the most important job in the world, and yet she goes back and chooses to do one that's even more important with, in the real world, which is to be the mother to one person and, and to yeah. die and to die. And so, yeah, so I think like in many of his works, recognition of the presence of death in life is extraordinarily important. And in fact, I think that's why we have to reorient ourselves, right? Because insofar as we take Aristotle seriously, and we are a social or a political animal. Well, uh, the people around us are going to change and die at times. And we're going to have to reconstruct our worlds. And so these stories, I think, are of infinite value because we are never not going to need them at some point soon. Uh, And because all of us are going to have to reconstruct our lives over and over again because of things that change over and over again. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean I think you see that with the attempt I guess of the um the heron and his master it's unclear like who makes like the the false mother out of uh like water or or something kind of liquid right um it's supposed to yes entice uh, mahito in but it's also like mahito is too curious you know like he um He he sees through the deception in that moment. Um, He's also able to like pluck the feather of the heron, or rather, use the the heron's feather as part of his attempt to like kill the heron with his with his bow and arrow that he keeps crafting. And um, and that's the one
0: top feather or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's a specific feather, right? And it has this kind of fabulous ability to to. limit the heron's mobility, um, yeah, there's something about, you know, Mahito's sort of strength of will um, and his curiosity and his protectiveness, I suppose, um, that is juxtaposed there to the to the uncle, to the heron, to their sort of like, I, I suppose, less responsible uses of their power. Um, I found that pretty interesting then that um you know the uncle really wants mahito particularly right out of all of space and time this is the person that he's kind of chosen for his heir for his um uh to 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 leave this world to uh and in, in the care of um and then of course mahito makes the other choice right he he returns to the world he brings the doll which turns back into the old servant um but also brings like one of the blocks, right? One of the blocks that isn't um, tainted with malice or whatever. Um, so he sort of has a, a, a bit of both. He has that kind of balance, um, which I, I, I'd I read that to be Miyazaki's you know, yearning as well, right? As great an artist as he is, there's immense sacrifices he must've made, not least maybe his relationship with his son, like just to speculate, that can't be an easy thing to to you know be the son of a great you know master and then to release a film like the the witch the earwig movie that was kind of a bomb and so so I think I think that's part of at least part of what's going on there is is more of a personal search for like not just a, an heir but also like a balance within himself you know to to be a a person in the world and also make you know his his swan song. Presumably, uh, of course, he'll make more. but We'll see. We'll see how long he lives.
0: Yeah, that's, he that's can't just question. be Uncle Drosselmeyer, but he must also be the father and
1: and uh, the Nutcracker. Uh,
0: yes. Okay. Well, I I think that's a pretty good for our our sort of as our as our style is our one off <laughs> style here, and perhaps that's maybe it. in the future we'll have uh occasion to do uh more specific analysis once we research this more um or maybe he'll make another movie and it'll be a another several years down the road and this will this
1: This took like 12 years for him to make
0: (laughs) oh it's possible possible. yeah next time we may look very different Uh, (laughs) all right well thanks for it looks like we've still got it too and so good to see that uh, all these great artists are still uh, keeping up uh, with their craft. Well, Doing our well best. until next time. Thanks.